yesterday, Lindsay said, there's this song I want to sing, so go, go up to Springfield and get it. And, and she was at a tournament in Buffalo and couldn't go get it. And so me and Cindy went in there, and when I say me and Cindy, I mean Cindy went and tried to find it. And we looked and looked, and we couldn't find it. We could not find it, absolutely could not find it. And you think, well, what's wrong? Why can't, why can't we find it? Well, because she's supposed to sing that song today. She's supposed to say that because it goes exactly with what we're talking about this morning. You might think restoration, what's that, what's that got to do with whom the sun sets free? And I, and I would have told you last week I wouldn't have thought that it went together. But it really does. And so I want us to stand this morning. We're going to be in Job chapter 42. It's the very last chapter of Job. If you have your Bibles, it's real easy to find Psalms and then just go back to your left and you'll be in Job, and it's the very last chapter of Job. And if anybody's ever in trouble or they're going through something, everybody will go, oh, go read Job, go read Job. I have read Job a lot, and I have studied it and gone through it and preached out of it, and I have never seen what I saw this week. I never saw it. I never saw it ever. And this week I was looking through places in the Bible because last week we were talking about revival and this week we're talking about restore and next week we're talking about reclaim. And so I was looking at different places of restore in the Bible and there's a place where it says that we'll restore the years that the locusts took and I liked that one and I thought that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to go. I'm going to go restore there. And then I got here, and I saw a place here where it was restored, and I was reading it out of the Amplified Bible, and then I read it out of the King James Version, and I don't think it will have it here exactly the way I want it to, to go, so I'm going to read it to you again. But let's, let's, uh, let's read this. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz and Timonite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz and Timonite, the Timonite, Beldad and Shuhite and Zophar and Namanite did what God told them to, and God accepted their prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And that's the part that I had read before. And I had read that, and, I, and we all love the ending of Job. We hate all the, all the stuff that he had to go through. The first part of it just starts off awful. And then it's him, and he's stuck in the middle of it, and he just can't seem to get out of it. And one person after another comes along, and none of them are any help to him at all. They're, they're just not very helpful at all. His, anyway, his wife is no help to him whatsoever, and then his three friends come, and they just seem like they just push him down farther. And this is what I had read before. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. And we read that and we're all like, yay! Yay for Job! What a happy ending. In the Amplified Bible and in the King James Version, it reads this. 
And the Lord turned the captivity of Job and restored his fortunes. And I read that and I thought, what in the world does that mean? I had never seen the captivity part. And that's what we're going to preach about this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak into your church this morning, Father. And I pray that maybe someone would be like me and see what's going on in their life. And I pray that you would encourage today and I pray that you would restore today. And Father, we just ask that you would just come and speak into our hearts and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to tell you, I'm probably not going to preach that much about restore today. I'm going to preach about that tonight. I got off track and, uh, and so tonight I'm going to talk about restoration a little more, but it all has to do with the same thing. But I, I've read this for years, and, and we tend to look at Job and see what he endured and see his suffering. And, and somehow or another, we are drawn to suffering. When we read Job, we, we get into it and we say, what? look what he's going through. Look what's going on in his life. And I don't know what it is, but it's, there's something about someone suffering. I don't know if we, if we want to come alongside him and help him or we're just interested. This whole week, we have heard about Hurricane Florence. And we have been on our edge of our seat. What is the suffering going to be? What is the flooding going to be? What is the, tie, the, the storm surge? How much is it going to rain? How many things are going to be tore up? And the news has just been so excited all week. And it just, it kind of bugs me a little bit. It's almost like we're excited about someone else's misfortune. But if you notice this week, every newscast led was someone else's misfortune, was someone else's suffering. And there is something about suffering, and we want to know how people get through it. And, and uh, people uh, read the book of Job because they're interested in how did Job get through his suffering because everyone goes through suffering. Nobody escapes it. If you live this life, to some extent or another, you're going to have some suffering in your life. And uh, I was, I was, uh, it was kind of interesting this week. I was, I don't know where I was, but I saw a girl and she wasn't very old. She was a young girl, probably 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that. She was very young and she had a shirt on and it said, the struggle is real. And I was like, you're stinking 11 years old. How much struggle could you have in your life? But she was like, the struggle is real. And you hear, and you hear people say that. The struggle is real. Well, I want you to know, the struggle is real. And Job was in a struggle, and the struggle was real. And he had real problems. All of his children are gone. All of his children have died. In one fell swoop, he loses all of his children. He loses all of his livestock. There is nothing left. He loses his health. His body is covered with boils. The only thing that he really has left is a wife. And if you read what she has to say, if you go back to chapter 2 and read what she has to say, this is, this, is, uh, this is wonderful words from a loving wife. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast? Are you still holding on to God? Is what she's saying. 
And she said, do you still hold fast to your blameless unrighteousness? And these are words, they should make a Hallmark card out of this. Renounce God and die. That's what his wife says to him. You should just renounce God and die. Now, lots of times we hear that and we're kind of hard on his wife. Well, what's wrong with her? Why, she, why, why can't she, you know, give some words of encouragement? Because she's in the struggle too. She's lost everything too. I think sometimes we're kind of hard on her. I mean, she, the struggle is real. She's, she's lost her family. And so, so don't be too hard on her. She doesn't have any words of encouragement, but don't be too hard on her. And then you have a bunch of friends that come in and we all have friends and you know what it is? Sometimes you want to say the one thing that really helps somebody out when you should just not say anything. You know, lots of times the best thing to say is nothing and just stand by somebody and say, you know what? I don't know what to say to you, but I'm praying for you and I'm praying that God's going to be with you. And I just, I just don't know what to say. You know, there's lots of situations that I come up against and I have no, I don't have any idea how they're feeling. Don't you hate it when people come up and goes, well, you know, I know how you're feeling. You're like, no, you don't. You don't have any idea what I'm feeling. You, you don't know. And so don't ever do that. Just come along somebody and say, I just, I'm just here with you. His friends would have been a lot better. They sat there for seven days before they said anything. They'd been a lot better if they'd sat there seven more days and not said anything. But anyway, that's what happened. And so he gets to this place. And, it, and we follow this to the end, and we're in the chapter 42 now. And it says that God restores him. And so I looked up the definition on the Google to see what restore means. And it says to bring something back to its original condition. It doesn't say that it's original. It doesn't say that it is the same as it was. The, it doesn't say that it's the same old thing. It says that it's brought back to original condition. Meaning it's like it was but it's, it's, it's new. When they, uh, me and Kale was talking about this, when they, when they come in and they, and they restore a vehicle, if it's got old rusty metal in it, they cut the old rusty metal out and they put new metal in. It's new. And restoration has to do with making new. And it brings it back to original condition. So, in order to have restoration, the bad thing about this is, in order to have restoration, you have to have destruction. You can't have restoration unless something has had destruction to it. You can't restore something to original if it's original. If everything's good and nothing needs to be changed, then there's no restoration. But if you live long enough, sin and life and the consequences of a fallen world that we live in is going to destroy something in your life. There's going to be destruction in your life. Sin is going to put destruction in your life. And, and, the things, and, and people around you, there's going to be things that are going to happen. And so sin and life and humanity slowly brings destruction on us. And sometimes it quickly brings destruction on us. Sometimes you make two or three bad decisions and boom, you're in a destruction. Sometimes it's long-term destruction, but, but destruction has to happen. And everyone goes through struggle. And the struggle is real. And it's especially real to that person. And the thing of it is, sometimes that person's in a struggle. And because it's not your struggle, it doesn't seem real to you. 
But to that person, the struggle is real. And the struggle that Job faced and the struggle that you face are real. Now, there'd be easy to look at Job's struggle and say, man, Job's struggle was real. The struggle is, is, is real. And, and we, have to be, we have to be aware of the fact that even though we look at someone's struggle and say, well, they ought to be able to get out of that. Why are they still in this struggle? And it's real to them. And there's lots of times that you come along somebody and you're like, you know, you ought to, you ought to get out of this. And they're, they're just there. And, 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 of course, I don't know of anybody, that, but if you would have come along Job, I mean, who is going to come along Job and say, you know, it's about time for you to get out of this? How long would it be before you would say that to him? I mean, when in, your, when in your life would you come along somebody and say, you know, you have mourned enough over your children. It's time to get over it. Nobody's going to say that. And nobody would say that. And you can't say that because the struggle is real. Maybe not for you. You're past it. But they're still there. And, and as I was reading this, the, the, the str- I just, it became more and more aware to me that the struggle for Job was real and he had become trapped in his struggle. And he was trapped in this place of what used to be and what could have been. And when you're, and when you're there, it's hard to get out. And people can face that in all different kinds of places. You can face that with sickness. You can face that with injury. If you grow old, if you get older, you're stuck between this place where I used to be able to do this and I wished it would have been like this. You remember how it used to be when I was strong, when my body used to be able to do things. My wife and I have had our grandkids for a month this week. And uh, no, my... Daughter and and uh, the guy she's married to, they went to a retreat, a minister's retreat, and so we had their kids for a couple of days. And I am more slick. I'm thinking, how in the world did I ever do this ever? And I remembered that I didn't. My wife did all the child rearing, and so it was really easy. But I mean, I'm telling you what, we got in bed last night, and he's like, and they're just still. They don't, they're like the things that won't shut up, and they just keep yapping, and they just they never run out of energy, and you, and I think, boy, I, I, how, and I was, you know, I was thirty years younger, and I could do things back then, and I, now I'm old and busted, and so that's how you. But your body, and you think, well, I used to be able to do this, I used to be able to pick this stuff up, I used to be able to get down on my knees. We was me and my son-in-law was trimming in my in my living room this week, and I got down on my knees, and I thought I was going to have to have him get me up. It was just pure pride that kept me from asking him to help me because I didn't want him to help me because I didn't want him to know that I was old and busted. But you can't do it, and you're broke down. And we think, man, my body used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do this, but now I can't, and I'm stuck in the where it used to be. And what might have been. And we suffer loss. We suffer loss. Everybody in this room knows what it is to suffer loss. Our church 
knows what it is to suffer loss. We know it. We've lived through it. We've had people in our church pass away. We've had people who are part of our church lose loved ones. And, and you get there and you remember how it used to be and you think of how it could be. And that's where you are. And the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And you have broken relationships. You have divorce. There's relationships that are broken. And there are things that you have. And when you have those kinds of things happen, you have great memories of the way things used to be. And you, and you think about those and you stay in those. And then you think about this is how it could have been. And you stay there. And just talking and staying there, you, you think about that and you stay there and you become in a place where that's where you are. And we look at Job and we see a person who has every right to be stuck in the struggle. There's no one that could come along Job and say, hey, look, it's time for you to start feeling better. It's time for you to get over it. It's time for you to move on. I mean, how could anybody say that to him? I, I would never have said that to Job. And who, who could say that to him? There's not a person on earth that could come alongside Job and say, look, it's time to get out. Why? Because the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And you would... Maybe if you were someone really close, but you don't realize the person who's there doesn't realize it. Because the struggle is the only thing in your mind. And because the struggle is so real to you, you can't see anything else. And I had never seen this before. But when you get into verse 10... It says what I read this morning. And it says this. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job and restored his fortunes. And I looked at that and I read that. And it's interesting here because Job, Job does not pray that he would be restored. Job does not pray, Lord, give me, give me back everything that I had. Lord, you've seen what's happened in my life. I need to have everything back. That's not what he prays. He doesn't come and say, Lord, you know what's the loss I've had in my life? Could you, could you bring back the way things were? He does not pray that. It's only when Job quits looking at himself and looks out at his friends who are about to receive the wrath of God. He gets his eyes off of himself and he looks out at others. And as soon as he does that, it says that the Lord releases him from his captivity. And as I read that, I thought, what, what does that mean? It says it turned his captivity. And I said, what does that mean? Job's not been carried off. Nobody's got him. Nobody's grabbed him. Nobody's carried him away from his family. Nobody has him. Nobody has him shackled up in chains. Nobody's, when you read captivity in the Bible, it means that they take you and they grab you and they take you off somewhere else and that you're entrapped. And I looked at that and I thought, and I said, when was Job taken captive? Why does it say 
that it turned his captivity? Why didn't it just say that it restored him? And then it dawned on me, and it became so real to me, because the struggle is real, and the pain is real, and the loss was real, and the sickness is real, and the sickness and the loss and the pain has taken Job captive. He can't see anything else. That's all he sees. All he can see is what's happening to him. All he can see is what's happening in his life. All he can see is the pain that I went to bed with last night is here this morning. And the loss that I had last night is still here. I was sick last night when I went to sleep, and I'm sick this morning. And all the stuff that he has to deal with has consumed him. And it has taken him captive. And it's hard to see... And it's really hard to talk about because the struggle is real, especially to the one that's in captive, in captivity. And you can't hardly say to someone, okay, it's time to get over this because it is so real. Job's lost his seven kids. It's real loss. He has a real sickness. He's covered with boils. And what has happened to him has taken him captive. And his conditions of life are holding him captive. And it was all he could think of. But for a moment, for a moment, he takes his eyes off of himself. He sees his friends and God comes and he says, Job, I'm about to rain down on your buddies here. The wrath of God is about to come on someone you love. And for a moment, Job takes his eyes off of himself. He's got every right. It doesn't ever say say that Job was wrong. It doesn't say that that he he calls Job blameless. It doesn't say that Job was, was being, it just says that he had become captive of his situation. And for a moment... He's able to pick his eyes up off where he is. And the struggle is real. But he's able to take his eyes off where he is and look to someone else. And God releases him right there. And I read that. And when he cares about someone else, he is restored. You see, the act of praying, he was not praying for himself. I think he probably had been. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be like, oh God, help me through this. Oh God, how am I going to make another day? Oh God, how am I going to get through another day? Oh God, can you not... Can you not help the pain in my heart or or the pain in my body or the pain... God, can you... And we do that, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because the struggle is real. But I'm going to tell you, folks, and I'm just saying what the Word says, but the Word says when Job was able to take and lift his eyes up out of himself and care for someone else, 
that God restored him like that. When Job begins to care for others more than himself, God restores him. When he takes his eyes off himself and looks at others, then he's able to turn his captivity. I sat in Sunday school class and listened to people who have way more problems than I have in this world. Way, way more problems. But I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter what your problem is, it can hold you captive. And I'm just telling you this morning, I have been here, I have been held captive before. And my wife has tried to help me and talk to me. And I've had friends try to help me and talk to me. And I could not see. I could not see it. And I, have you ever went to the, have you ever been sick? And you couldn't figure out, and nobody could figure out what was wrong with you? And, you, and you'd just be glad to know what was wrong with you? I'm going to tell you, I felt like I went to the doctor this week and the doctor said, this is what's wrong with you. You're being held captive, Brian. You're looking at things that have happened to you and things that have gone on in your life and you're held captive. And it was like the doctor said, this is what's wrong with you. And I was just like, yay, I know what's wrong with me. And it gives me the cure. Am I cured? Not yet. But I'm getting there. And I felt like this week, for the first time in a long time, I knew what was wrong with me. And I knew that there was a way out. And I, and I saw others. I'm going to be real honest with you, and you can think of me what you want. I got so hurt by people that I just pulled back. And I'm just telling you, because every time I felt like I would reach out to someone and we would give ourselves to someone, that then they would just leave and hurt you. And it's like the old monkey. You get your hand slapped enough times, you're like, well, I just won't reach for the pellet anymore. And so I just, I'm just telling you where I've been for the last couple of years. I've just pushed back. And I was pushing back my cure because the cure says I have to think of others more than myself. And it always felt like every time I think of others that I just get hurt again. I'm just telling you, you may not want to even be me to be your pastor anymore, but I'm telling you where I'm at. I'm just telling you where I've been. Because I felt like when I reached out, I'll just get hurt again. And if, 
So I just won't reach out anymore and I'll just hold everybody. And the other night, my wife said something to me that cut me to the quick. She said, are me and the kids and the grandkids not enough for you? Because I've been pushing everybody back. I've been pushing the cure back. And I'm sorry. I've just held everybody back. Because I just get tired of getting hurt. I'm just saying. That's just the way I was. That's just the way I was. And when I read this, it's just like, Brian, you're just pushing back the cure. Does that mean I'm never going to get hurt again? No, I'm going to get hurt again. I'm going to get hurt again. I'm going to get my feelings hurt. If you love somebody, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to get your feelings hurt. But you've got to love somebody to be restored. The cure is something that sometimes you're going to get hurt, but you cannot... You have got to look at others. You have got to look out and love others to be restored. You have to. That's what happened to Job. You have to. Some of you, Lindsay, I want you to come up here. I'm going to have Lindsay sing that song again. That song this morning, Whom the Sun Sets Free... You are free indeed. You're free. The captivity's over. If God has set you free, you're free. The captivity's done. I want us to stand this morning. I feel like I have been freed. You can't have revival without repentance, so I'm repenting. I'm sorry. Some of you are my dear friends, and I've just held you back. I've just, I'm sorry. I don't have any excuse. I'm just sorry. But if you're going to be released from your captivity, And the struggle is real. My struggle is not nearly as bad as some of you are going through. I don't want to... But if whatever your struggle is, to you, it's real. I've learned that through all of this. Whatever your struggle is, to you, it's real. And you get in this place where you... And I have... and I, My struggle is not like yours, but I tell you, I know what it's like. And you just are living in the struggle... And you have become captive to it this morning. And maybe God has told you that this morning. You have got to look up. And you've got to look out. And the word says when you do that. Captivity was turned and God restored him. Maybe somebody else is captive here this morning. It's easy to be captive. It doesn't even say that it's sin. It just says that it's life. 
that you've become captive to life. I'm going to tell you this morning, you have got to love others and you have got to look up and out. And the word says that you can be released this morning. Job was restored in a moment. Was restored in a moment. I want to tell you, when I was in my office this week, I got up and told Cindy, I said, I figured out what's wrong with me. I said, I know what's wrong with me. And she goes, well, I've got a whole list of things. I've got a thumb drive here that I've been chronicling in alphabetical order. You want it numerically or alphabetically? I've got, I said, no, I've, I figured, I know what's wrong with me. I said, I've got to look up. We're not going to sing together. I just put this on Lindsay, but was that she was singing this morning. Whom the sun sets free, you are free indeed. And there's somebody here this morning that you're captive to something. something. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody has done something to you. And it is real. It's not made up. It's real. Or you've had a loss. Or you're in the midst of a sickness or in the midst of a trial or whatever it is. And you are captive to it this morning. And the Lord wants to set you free today. We're going to, I'm going to have Lindsay sing. The altars are going to be open. And, and just if you just need to come and pray, come and pray. But just come as she sings this morning. Go ahead and sing, Lindsay.